October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, bringing attention and awareness to those who battle this disease. According to the website breastcancer.org, an estimated 287,850,000 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the United States in 2022. On today's podcast, we will be discussing women in law enforcement and the effects breast cancer has or can have on their lives and careers. Women were first brought into law enforcement roles as jail matrons or juvenile officers. Since the 1970s, women have increasingly become an integral part of many agencies in our country, including right here in North Carolina. Our police departments and sheriff's offices have women in their ranks from the command level to the line. Today on NCJA 1014, we will talk to two women with firsthand experience in the fight. Hello, I am Amber Burgess Cox, an instructor developer on the West Campus of the North Carolina Justice Academy in Edneyville. Today, I'm sliding behind the microphone, usually held by the inimitable Kirk Beckett. I'm turning around, I'm driving down Quinn, I'm turning around to see if I can find him again. This is at Clover, subject to 1074, electronic, I see NCJA 1014. My guests today are Christy Caps, RN, BSN, CN, BN from Party UNC Healthcare in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Christy is the Breast Oncology Program Manager. She has been a nurse since 1999 and with Party for 20 years coming this November. Christy has been working in the specialty of oncology since 2009. Our other guest today is Chief Bobby Trotter from the Laurel Park, North Carolina Police Department. Laurel Park is a town in Henderson County with eight full-time officers. Bobby has been an officer starting with the Hendersonville Police Department in 2003. In 2012, she became the chief at Laurel Park. Her experience has covered patrol, investigations, and school resource officer. Chief Trotter was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2012 and completed her battle in 2013. Welcome, ladies, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Out of the gate, I guess I will defer to the lady with all the letters after her name. Mm -hmm. Christy, could you explain what you and your team do at Party UNC Healthcare? Sure. So um, our breast team at Party consists of breast imagers, nurses, medical assistants, physicians, you name it. Um, we care for anyone who has a breast abnormality or breast problem. Um, we provide their treatments. We help them with treatment options, support resources, um, support groups, just really anything that they might need to get them through the treatment, really diagnosis and treatment of breast cancer. So what led you to the specialty of breast cancer? That's funny you say that because I thought about that a lot, but breast cancer actually found me. Um, I didn't apply for this job. I actually was approached by a physician that I knew well, and he said, we have this position and I really feel like you're, you would be a good fit for it. And I knew nothing about breast cancer at the time. I remember thinking, well, I don't even have to worry about breast cancer because nobody in my family has ever had it, which unbeknownst to me really has nothing to do with whether you will ultimately get breast cancer or not. Only about one of 20 breast cancers are hereditary. So um, he asked me about this job and I thought, sure, why not give it a try? And then I just fell in love with it. I became a nurse because I knew I wanted to help people and I wanted to make a difference in their life in some way. And so working in breast oncology, I was first a nurse navigator and I walked through that journey with them. And so what that allowed me to do was to be there when they got the news that something was wrong, to help them with education and support 
to help them to know that not everybody who needs a biopsy has breast cancer. Um, but then if they did, I was there to help them with that too. And so I would walk through that journey with them through surgery, through chemotherapy, through radiation, and now into survivorship. And to me, you know, you become a survivor the day you're diagnosed because breast cancer care has come so far over the last even, you know, 10 years. So to encourage them on to survivorship was a really key piece of what I did as a nurse navigator. Once you get into a role like this, I think it's something that just becomes part of who you are. And I'm invested in the, the patients that I take care of, but I'm also invested in this community. And so I'm always looking for opportunities now as the manager of the program to be able to improve what we already do and expand upon what we do to meet more people and reach more people in the area. So in that role as nurse navigator, is that how you came to meet Chief Trotter? Well, no. Um, my husband is actually an officer, and um, Bobby Trotter tried to set us up years ago. So uh, we met way before I was her nurse navigator. But yes, I did work with her at party when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. All right, Chief, tell us about your diagnosis, and did you have any symptoms prior to diagnosis, or was this just a routine scan? Well, Really, my whole process was pretty quick, and some of it I just simply chose to forget about, to be honest, but um, it was kind of funny. I did have a lump, and there was some pain, and a lot of times when there's pain, breast cancer is usually a hard, painless thing, but sometimes you can have the pain. But in my mind, I'm thinking I drink way too much caffeine. I wear a bulletproof vest, ballistics, and that, I'm, most of my career, it was a, a man-fitted vest. So thank goodness for female ballistics. So I just assumed that I was fine, I was okay. So I kept just a check on it for a while, then it started feeling just a little bit bigger. So I remember it clearly, it was a Sunday night late. I remember it too. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I was like, you know, and I was like, you know, my husband, well, he was my fiance at the time, I said, feel this. And I was like, I just, I'm gonna call Christy. I'm, I'm done, I'm just gonna check with her, see what she thinks about it. So I call her late Sunday night. She's like, yeah, come on in, let's just look at it. No one, Christy, I go in, we do the mammogram, and she's like, you're probably going to have to have an ultrasound. Okay, fine. And I guess in retrospect now, I knew then that there was something to investigate just by her face because she was in the room with me. So I'd look at the screen and I'd look at Christy, and she just kind of had this look on her face like, yeah, we're going to have to do a biopsy. I mean, I could just see it. And so I was still not, I was nervous. I guess that that's fair enough. But I knew I was in good hands. I knew it was okay. So I was like, okay, fine. Did the biopsy. And of course, she gave me the phone call. In the phone call, I could hear it in her voice. You know, yes, I've known Christy for a long time, but the main thing is Christy is an angel. I mean, she did this for everybody, not just me. I didn't have to worry about a sound, a feeling. She told me exactly what I was going to go through from the ultrasound, the biopsy to the bone scan. I mean, everything was laid out. Um, she had a book that had everything highlighted already just for me. But there again, she did that for everybody. Right. And I, I really felt, you know, special. And it was, it was easy. It was. I guess the main, the main points I want to, for people to know is early detection is the key. You got to check yourself. I, I looked out. I really did. I mean, yes, it was pain. I had a little bit of pain, but I did have a fibrous growth. And, and that's still something to check out because it can still be cancerous. Have a peace of mind. Go get checked out. That's the main thing. And I, I guess as far as the diagnosis, I, I fought it hard. I really didn't have to. There's several options. But I decided I was young enough to go ahead and just do what I had to do. So I went through the chemo. I had a lumpectomy, chemo, and then the radiation. And how old were you when you were diagnosed? It was 2012. I don't know. I can't do the math. I'm a cop. <laughs>
I'm trying to think how old we were 2012. 38. 38. You would turn 38 in okay. December. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that I just started the job. Yes. Here. I, yes, you uh, had. I started a new job. I was engaged. And then all of a sudden. Cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Yep. And I remember looking at Michael when I was going through the chemo and I sneezed and some of my hair came out. And I, I just looked at him. I said, we can get married now or you're going to wait till my hair comes back. I'm not wearing a wig for my wedding pictures. And he was like, well, let's go get our license. And that's what we did. Everything all in 2012. It was uh, quite a ride. But I guess the main thing is, um, even though I fought it aggressively, I had four treatments of chemo. And, and chemo was rough. It was. I mean, it was made you sick and that kind of thing. But I chose not to let it stop me from working. I think all in all, during the treatments, I missed maybe two days of work. It was the aftermath that got me. I mean, there, there's some aspects of it after the math that was a little tougher. But radiation, that was tough. I mean, the radiation, it was funny. You go into this room, it takes longer to take your clothes off and put them back on than the actual treatment. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's that's funny, and it wears you out. You're just tired. But so my, my, my point is just keep going. I mean, yeah, you might get this diagnosis, and you might have So you subscribe to the Dory, just yes. keep swimming Absolutely. theory. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't let it get you, because if you lay down and take it, then you're going to yeah. start thinking about what could happen? Yeah. Well, you know, all our lives, well, your attitude is everything. It is. But it really is so important when you're going it through is. cancer treatment. Um, you have to be positive. Even if you're having a horrible day, just looking for that one little, little thing, thing that might push you through to the next hour and then the next hour. And before you know it, you've made it through that really difficult time. Right. And you're beyond that difficult time. Right. Mm -hmm. So so following up to what you said, and, mm -hmm. and Christy, you can chime in as well, because you mentioned it a little bit in your intro. Did you have a history of, is there breast cancer in your family, Chief? No, not at all. And you said you didn't have a history of breast cancer Correct. in your family. Correct. Okay. But, you know, our greatest risk factors are being female, number one. If you're a woman, you're at risk for breast cancer. And number two is if we get older, our risk for breast cancer goes up. That's one thing with Bobby that was a little bit abnormal is typically we start screening for breast cancer at the age of 40. Um, however, I would say I am starting to see younger and younger women with breast cancer. So that's why it's important to know your own body. Right. There's nothing wrong with advocating for yourself. And if it's nothing, it's nothing. Great. Celebrate that. You're out a few hundred dollars. But if you leave something and it grows and progresses, then it may get to a, a point where we can't cure it. The earlier, like Bobby mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, the earlier that we catch things, the less treatment, the less long-term ramifications, and the better outcomes. So what kind of treatment options do we have for breast cancer caught early enough and even at the end to keep people comfortable, those type of things? I mean, what we've got, you, Chief mentioned radiation, chemotherapy, and a biopsy. So what other options are there on the table? Sure. So really, it depends on the stage of the cancer. And so breast cancer is staged from a zero all the way through a stage four. A zero is a non-invasive, very earliest, most treatable, most curable type of breast cancer. And then it's a little bit more advanced with a one, with a two, with a three. And those are all very treatable breast cancers. When it becomes a stage four means that it has spread outside of the breast and into other places in the body. So the most common places that it can spread is to the bone, the liver, or the lungs. And those are when you are diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And unfortunately, at that point, we can't cure it, but it's also very treatable. And so oftentimes we treat stage four breast cancer like a chronic condition, like diabetes, like congestive heart failure, something along those lines where we're just going to try to stay one step ahead of what's going on. And oftentimes um, patients who are diagnosed stage four can live for a very long time 
there, of course, they're under treatment for most of that time, but I've had patients live 10, 12 years after a stage four diagnosis. Surgery is obviously uh, typically the first thing that we do to remove the cancer itself. Um, some people need chemotherapy, just depending on the stage, on the grade, on how aggressive their cancer is, and that would come next. And then radiation is at the end, and that's usually every day for about four to six weeks. Uh, and you mentioned this, seeing younger and younger people being diagnosed. What are the guidelines for breast cancer, age, sex, family history? Sure. Um, if there's anything environmental, you know, if you, you know, work at a nuclear power plant or anything like that, what are those guidelines? So every woman should start screening mammograms at the age of 40, and you would have an annual screening mammogram until you're unable to uh, follow up with what treatment might be if you were diagnosed with breast cancer. That's a question I get a lot. When should I stop having screenings? Well, if you're 80 and you're really active and healthy and you would move forward if something were found, then by all means continue having a mammogram. I've had patients in their 90s with breast cancer and done very well. So it's important that you follow up annually to have that screening mammogram. If you have a family history of breast cancer, then you may be at a little bit of a higher risk. So it's important to do a risk assessment with a professional. And we actually have a high risk clinic at Part E with our nurse practitioner, Vanessa. And so we will do a calculation to see what someone's lifetime risk for developing the disease is. And if you're 20% or more, you're considered to be high risk. If you are 19% or less, that would be average risk. So women who are high risk, they would have the annual mammogram, just like someone who wasn't high risk. But then six months later, they would have a breast MRI and would rotate those two exams every six months so that they're being followed very closely. In addition to that, they would have a clinical breast exam with our nurse practitioner every six months as well. Um, so that's really the screening part. There are two different types of mammograms. So I need to back up to that too. So a screening is just for someone who's having absolutely no problems. They've not found a lump. They're not having any problems. It's just, let's just make sure there's not something. It's like changing there. the oil in yeah, your car. Absolutely. It's routine maintenance. Okay. Absolutely. With Bobby, it was a little bit different. It's a diagnostic mammogram because that's for women who are having a problem. So if you feel a lump, if you see changes in your breast, if there's um, retraction of the nipple, just anything that's new or different in that breast that's concerning to you, you should contact your doctor and come in for a mammogram. So a diagnostic mammogram is going to start with the same four pictures that are done with the screening mammogram. However, the radiologist is there and will interpret that immediately while you're there. They'll talk with you if we need extra pictures. They'll go ahead and do that then to focus in on one particular area. Or we can even do an ultrasound if we need to get more information. And each imaging modality is going to look at things just a little bit different. Of course, the mammogram is the golden standard, but the MRI and the ultrasound are very helpful supplemental tools. And so at Party, we're an accredited, ACR-accredited breast imaging center of excellence, meaning that we meet really high standards for all three of those modalities in order to provide the very best breast care. Chief, mm -hmm. um, back to you on more of a personal note. If you could pick... What do you think was the most crucial thing in being successful in your fight against breast cancer? Oh, that's early detection by far. Okay. I mean, I, it, if I wouldn't have even called to, to say, Christy, what do you think about this? I probably would have let it go another year. Because there again, like I say, to me, I drink too much caffeine. I wear a vest. I mean, it, I don't take care. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't take, take, take care, care of myself, myself like I should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as women, I mean, yeah, everybody else comes first. That's yeah. exactly right. That's so right. it's very important that we take care of ourselves because if we don't do that, we're no good to anybody mm -hmm. around us. Yeah. So I, I would say early detection is probably the best thing that happened to me. Which is what the expert over here, mm -hmm. our RN says, is the, is the mm -hmm. key to all of it. Mm -hmm. 
and you mentioned this a minute ago, Chief, was it tough to receive treatment and continue working, but you didn't stop. You, you took it as I, it's just something that has to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I know me for one. And if I would have laid down after a chemo treatment, I would have felt worse. And luckily I was supported here at work. They knew that if I, I mean, I'd have a chemo treatment and come back to work. I may be a little sick to my stomach and have to step out of a meeting for a minute or two, but they were very understanding at Laurel Park. And honestly, most of my residents, they all knew. They knew what I was going through and they were supportive. So it was so. it was a community policing thing. Yeah. It, it was everybody in the town and the town employees mm -hmm. had your back. Yeah. Really, if you can stay active, you're going to feel better. Right. As crazy as it sounds, as counterintuitive as it sounds, exercise actually will help you to uh, combat the fatigue that you can experience from cancer treatment. If any of our listeners or their family members are battling breast cancer, do either of you have any suggestions for them? Sure. I'm, if you're going through cancer, I'd say the main thing is just take it easy on yourself. I mean, it's important just to, to know that it's okay. Just take it easy on yourself. And also, you have to think about your family. Your loved ones are going through it with you. So they essentially have cancer too. So take it easy on them. You may feel like they don't understand, but they do. They're going Ex through it with extend you. grace. That's very, very wise. Yeah. Um, and I see that often. You know, the, the patient who has cancer obviously is going through the treatments and going through the motions and doing all the mm -hmm. things. But that person who's your support person, who loves you more than life itself, they yeah. can't physically do anything. No. They can't fix it. They can't make it better. And it can be very, very taxing on your support mm -hmm. system because they're in this fight with you and they can't do anything about it. My advice would be, you know, don't be that person who walks away because they don't know what to say. Saying something bad is, is better than saying nothing at all. Mm -hmm. um, be there for the people that you love. Be, a, be okay with just being present. You don't have to say anything. Um, but don't forget the family and that support person in the midst of it too, because quite honestly, they may need more support than you realize. Right. So it's kind of like being in a law enforcement family. Yes. And and the worries and the concerns that you yes. feel mm -hmm. with your spouse being in law enforcement for mm -hmm. you, Christy, and, and what we feel, Chief, for our families yeah. when we were working yeah. the streets. You got to know that they're right there with you, even though you think the whole world's against you. Right. Mm -hmm. They're there with you in the trenches, mm -hmm. slogging they, along. They, I always said to myself, they have cancer too. Mm -hmm. don't, don't snap at them. Well, you never know what somebody's yeah. going through. You know, I mean, so many people can hide things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chemo, you can't hide. Mm -hmm. you can't. Nope. Hide. And this goes beyond just cancer. But Chief can never... rock. Chief can rock a a, a wig and a and yes. a bandana like nobody's business. Yes. <laughs> I liked my head wraps. I did not like <laughs> the wigs were awful. I mean, if you think about law enforcement, and you're wearing a wig. If I had to chase somebody down, my wig falls off. I'd much rather my you know have to adjust my hat than my hair. I mean, <laughs> so I, I did head wraps and hats. It was fine. I did get the pity looks, but that's okay too. Whatever. Okay, Chief, if you could do anything different about your battle, what would you do? There's sometimes I say, gosh, I wish I would have just had a mastectomy. But in all honesty, I don't nothing. If you had had a mastectomy, would you have still had to do radi would she have still had to do radiation and chemo? Probably, Probably not radiation. Yeah. Chemo, yes. Chemo, chemo is you, you need to. it, you need it. If you don't, you don't. Radiation typically goes hand in hand with mm -hmm. your surgical option. But the important thing to know here is that survival for people who have a lumpectomy with radiation is exactly the same as those who have a mastectomy. Right. So it may not be disease-free survival, but survival nonetheless. 
So you really can't make a bad decision other yeah. than doing nothing. And that obviously is not an option. Right. You know? right. Well, it definitely wasn't an option for Chief. No. 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 <laughs> I mean, there is times I say, yes, I probably would have done this, this, and this, and this. But, you know, I, I, I got that deck of cards. I dealt them, and I did what I did. And, no, I wouldn't. Not not sitting here today, you and I have had this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when I really get asked that question, no, I wouldn't change the thing. Well, and we just talked about the wigs. Other than the wigs, were there any humorous or funny stories about your battle that you'd like to share? Oh, good Lord, there's so many. I mean, I have to laugh. If I don't laugh, I cry. I mean, that's just it. I don't I don't take life so seriously. I can't. Not in, not in our line of work. We just can't. We, And we have a dark sense of humor. So I can't really think of a good example that I would say right now. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I did laugh a lot. I mean, it was... A lot of funny things. I, I'd go on with the doctors and they'd say something. I'd say, you have to say something snarky back. I guess one, I, you know, we had to I have to take medications when you're done. And that medication did not fare well with me it, emotionally. And I remember going to my oncologist, who I call my cherub. I'd pinch his <laughs> cheeks. And I looked at him and I said, if it doesn't make me skinny or rich, do not prescribe it to me. Do, these kind of pills. <laughs> should not be given to someone who carries a gun. I'm done. I'm done. So, I mean, I joked a lot and, and made light of a lot of stuff. So, I don't know. I think the funniest, one of the funniest things that pops out is when I came down a, to uh, debut this new wig. And I, what I did is I bought a mullet. <laughs> Which is now in style. Yeah. And I went downstairs and I thought it was funny. My husband and my mother did not. My mom was almost upset a little bit. And I was like, okay, okay, can't joke like that, you know, with her right now. She's still trying to get through all it's this. It's a little raw, but, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I joked a lot anyway. Well, you do a lot I, I anyway, yes. I just have to make fun of everything. So I can't think of just one one in particular, I don't know. I tell a lot of women that, you know, there's still people that I talk to that are hard-headed that, you know, I hang up and they're like, okay, well, bye, I love you. Okay, go check your boobs. And Because I know they're not. I mean, I still do stuff like that. And I don't know. I make, I make light of everything, so it's all kind of funny to me. <laughs> so, are there any online resources that either of you could recommend? You're shaking your head oh, no, Chief. So, I'm, you're saying find somebody, get, get a personal touch. Yes, don't get on the internet. Do not do that. I, I was told not to do that, and of course I did it. No, don't. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Just go with what your doctors, rely on them. They're the professionals. They've been through this. And, you know, if you're blessed enough to get a nurse navigator like I did, you won't have to anyway. I mean, she highlighted my book. I just is, to, is the nurse navigator, what would we call it in law enforcement, program, modality, strategy, yeah. is that kind of a, an industry standard? It's or not is, an industry standard. Um, it's program specific. And okay. so what we did, you know, we had a, a physician who was over our program several years ago, and his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, um, and everybody in the community said, oh, well, her care went really great because you're a doctor. And nobody else gets that because they're not doctor's right. wives. And he I was just bored by that. Yeah. And he said, no, I want every woman to be treated like a doctor's wife. Everyone deserves the utmost respect and timeliness of care and, and the best outstanding care. service and the very best care possible. And so that's what led him toward creating, helping with the team at the hospital, of course, but creating this nurse navigator position where there's somebody to walk through the journey with everyone. Mm -hmm. And that is to, to be there, to be their cheerleader, to be their scheduler, to be there, whatever they need them to be so that they never face cancer alone, but that everything is done quickly for them. Mm -hmm. And so at party, that's a very major focus for us. Our breast program is different because 
we prioritize the patient experience and the timeliness of care. And so as far as I am concerned, we will always have a nurse navigator to walk alongside patients to make sure that they have great experiences, but then great outcomes too. Um, our current nurse navigator is Marcia Tucker, and she is actually a breast cancer survivor herself. Um, she has ties to law enforcement as well. Her brother um, is a law enforcement officer in Transylvania County. And so she is amazing. She does really great things to help her patients and to be there firsthand. Right. And know firsthand what they're going through makes all the difference in the world. So I would say make sure you're looking for an accredited cancer center, um, a commission on cancer accredited facility, because that just makes sure that they are practicing to the highest standards and following national guidelines when it comes to treatment. It should be so that if you go to a cancer center here in Hendersonville or in Washington, D.C. or Washington State, you should be giving the same, given the same recommendations for care. We want to treat everyone individually. And so we're looking at your specific cancer and your specific comorbidities and needs, but also these national standards on how we know best to treat cancer. Christy, are we ever going to have a cure for breast cancer? Or is it just going to, just treatment options are going to improve rather than a cure? I sure hope for a cure one day. Um, I think that there's a lot more research going on that will help us to get closer to that. Um, I've heard some things and just the, the recent past on some ideas and some techniques that they're thinking might be helping forge the way to looking for a prevention, but we're not there yet. So that's why it's important to continue research, to continue to, if you're offered a clinical trial, you know, participate because the more research we do, the more information we have, the closer we are. What is one lesson, Christy and Chief, that you have learned from breast cancer? I have learned to not sweat the small stuff. Um, you know, every day is a blessing. Every day is a gift. And so often when we're well and have our health, we don't think about it. It's just like, oh, I've got to go to work and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But when you're sick, you say, I get to go to work and I get to hug my kids and I get to chase them for three hours to baseball practice and to dance practice <laughs> and horseback riding. So you look at things from a very different perspective and you make the most of every day. And I think, you know, just through the eyes of my patients, I've been able to see that and to experience that. And it makes my life have so much more quality. It grounds you. Absolutely. Okay, Chief, you're shaking your head yes, but I know you've got something even. Well, I mean, I, I get asked this a lot. And I think everybody looks to me for a very inspirational type thing. And, and it doesn't um, have to be inspirational. Well, know, it just needs to be it, real. I think that's what people, when they're asking me, I think I see the faces and they're like, they want me to say something profound. But. I, yeah, in all honesty, you can you, you control what you can. If you can't, let it go. You can't. It's okay. Let some of that control go. And that's a hard thing for me to do still to this day in law enforcement. But choose your battles. Mm -hmm. You can't control everything. Well, that about wraps up our discussion on breast cancer awareness. Bobby Trotter is the chief of the Laurel Park, North Carolina Police Department and breast cancer survivor. Christy Capps is the Oncology Program Manager for Party UNC Health in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I want to thank you both so much for being here and sharing your story. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're, getting, you're getting the word out, and that's what we need to do. Education, we've got to get it out there for early detection. That's the main thing. And reducing fear, because yeah. if you eliminate that fear, you're going to feel so much better. Right. So I, I'm really glad that you spoke up about being like, oh, I can rationalize this, and it was... It could be this or it could be that, but you just advocated for yourself and stepped up. And so many people don't do that. Right. October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
Currently in North Carolina, there are approximately 34,000 female law enforcement officials, a number that is steadily growing. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. As advancements are made in technology and medicine, that number is sure to drop significantly. Thank you for listening to this important and informative episode of NCJA 1014. For this episode, I'm your host, Amber Burgess Cox. Stay safe, everyone. NCJA 1014.